0: Amen, I was feeling more like a response into the sermon prayer, but I, but here we go. I don't know, like uh, maybe because we've already had an incredible weekend that just felt a little less like the here we go prayer, but like let's do this thing prayer. But but uh, glad that you're here. Buckle up. My name's Travis, the lead pastor. Um, again, we've had a, an incredible weekend Um at World Mandate. I know that many of you in here have been a part of that, some of you are unable to be, but we really believe that here this morning, what we call the fourth and final session of World Mandate for our church, that God is bringing us all into that which is on his heart and that which he wants to, to use to lead us forward. And so, uh, so thankful that you're here, so thankful, such an honor and privilege that we have to, to worship the living God together, because He is alive. And uh, not only have we had World Mandate this weekend, but we've been in a series on revival, the, the, about the God who makes us alive in Him, the God who brings dead things back to life. That, that's who He is. And so uh, as a church, we, uh, we actually talk quite often about revival, it, it, it's it found our way into the, the vision statement of our church as we believe that the call that we have um, in, in this city is to, to be a part of ushering revival into the Phoenix Valley that would result in a, in a church planning movement that touches the nations of the earth so that there would be a reviving of the people of God here in this valley that so impacts the church that there is a spiritual awakening that ripples all the way to the four corners of the earth. And so we're believing that that's the the bigness of our God. And and so when we're in a series here on revival, it's uh, not because it's new, but it's because we sense that there is an intentionality and a focus that God has said, hey, in the season, why don't you really come with a greater intentionality, zeroing in on a place of preparation? Because much of, uh, of the study of revival, as we've been looking at different uh, revivals in the Bible, is just learning what it looked like for a people to, to be prepared for God to come. What it, what it is that, that God delighted to come to come upon and move when he would come and, and move upon a people or when it would be described as the hand of the Lord was on them or the people returned to the Lord or there was rejoicing and there was a, a restoration of the people. Okay, what was happening in the people that prepared the way for God to come and do his thing? And it wasn't an event. It wasn't something that was just meant for a season, but it was a, the, the, the abundant outpouring of God's spirit which we know that he longs to do. We're told is scripturally that the, 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 the God wants to pour out his spirit generously. And so we're just saying, God, let us be a people who you would delight to pour out your spirit generously, that we might see your kingdom come in all of its glory, that we might see your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we, we have the, the, the opportunity, we have an invitation, as the church, to step into something that is much more glorious, uh, much more uh, wonderful than anything that actually we could even hope for, expect, or, or, or imagine, because that, that's the, the grandeur of our God. We're, we're told that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that His ways are higher than our ways, and there's something about that that, that we love, it, we we love the truth of it. And and it's kind of like, yes, that's that's he is God and I am not. He he is he is exalted and completely other than and I am just I'm just little nobody who's just coming before him. And, and so we we love yes, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And yet I think sometimes we make this mistake. And it's one that we were we were um even coming into this weekend, identifying and saying, God, let it not be so with us. And, and that's this, that, uh, that often, you know, the church is uh, crying out for God, we want God to move, we want God to come, we, we recognize our need for God, but we have these little unintentional unknown parameters that we place on what God can or should do and what he should and really shouldn't do. And that has to do with our understanding and our ways. We would agree with the passage of Scripture, yes, it's totally different, but then somehow in, in between there, we, we place our own understanding and, that, and our understanding of who God is or what he's capable of or, or how he might move uh, becomes dictated by some of our understanding of who he is. And, and so that's never our intention, but we found ourselves praying coming into this weekend, God, if there is anything in our hearts where we've put on parameters uh, of what we feel like you should do or what something you might do that would make us uncomfortable or, you know, th- those kinds of things, because often God is desiring to bring us out of what's comfortable. And we've just, we were just trying to say, God, take any of those things out. Let us truly be a people who come to you and And with every way that we know how, taking every parameter off of you, just say, God, have your way among us. We trust you. We trust you, God. We don't trust our own ways. We don't trust our own understanding. We trust you, God. So you come and you have your way with us he over and over and over and over and over again has proven himself to be trustworthy. That his every intention towards us is good. That he is nothing other than good. He always has been and always will display, his display, his glory will be displayed in his goodness towards us. So he's trustworthy. And and so that's what I wanna invite us all into. You know, really, just checking our hearts and saying, you know, there's parameters that we don't even know we have, but just saying, God, we want to lay those down that you might that you might speak, that you might lead us, that we might uh, be a people who receive from you wholeheartedly. Wow. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to try to do this morning is is both kind of synthesize what what God's been doing over the course of the weekend and, and bring it kind of all together, so so we're in in one place and unified, ready to say, okay, God. And, and so now, what, God? So what do we do? What is the response? What is the act of obedience that 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 might come out of a result of us meeting together with you? And uh, and so to to begin, I want to talk about seeing Jesus. I kind of shared it a little bit with the Lord's prayer and how how that kind of develops. Father, hallowed be your name. Like hallowed be your name. We, we praise you. We see you. We know you. We worship you. In fact, we want who you are and the kingdom that you that you rule over. We want it here. Cuz we want more of you cuz we've seen you. We've seen you. We we know you. And and I believe that God wants to reveal himself to us in greater and greater ways, a greater measure. That there, there will, we will never exhaust the, the, the amount of, of, of knowledge or understanding or beauty uh, or clarity that we might arrive to in knowing and seeing Jesus well, it, we'll it, it's inexhaustible we'll, we'll never fully know there's more and more to know and learn as we walk with him in, until we meet him face to face we even see john who uh, in the bible was one of jesus's closest friends his disciple in his inner circle john even referred to himself as the one who was loved by jesus I, i'm the beloved like as some confidence like he loves me they were close and yet we see in the book of Revelation, when, when John has the, the, the revelation of the glorified Jesus, what he immediately does is he falls on his face like a dead man. Though, though he knew him and man, man had an intimate relationship with Jesus and walked with him and talked with him, there's always going to be more until we meet him face to face and, and fall down and just like in, in worship. And so there's this pursuit of like I want to see him and I and I want to know him. In and and there's a story with some of the disciples. Uh, that, that we read about in Luke chapter 24. And there's a couple of these disciples that had been following Jesus and following his teachings. They would have been, uh, they weren't one of the 12, but they were, some of the, that were known as the disciples would have been in the, the upper room, one of the 120 that had gathered around Jesus and, and, and been with him. And, um, and so these guys, after Jesus's death, were, were, were walking back to their, their village of, of Emmaus. And as they were walking, Jesus, who is now resurrected and is beginning to appear to some of the disciples, uh, begins to, to come alongside them on the road and walk with them, but they are supernaturally unable to recognize him. It's not that they had such a, a distant uh, relationship with him. They didn't, they didn't recognize him in that way. It was that, that, that supernaturally they were, they were blinded. They were unable to see him for, for who he is. Um, and Jesus has a little fun with them. I think it's kind of funny. They're, they're like, oh, he's like, what's, what's going on? Why are you guys so sad? And they're like, have you not heard what's been going on in Jerusalem these days? He's like, no, what's going on? Like, and they're like, where, where are you from? Like, have you not, there's this Jesus of Nazareth who is to be the, the Messiah and all these things, and, and yet now, now he's, been, he's been crucified and we don't know what to do. We, we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was gonna come and establish his reign. And, and Jesus then turns and he rebukes them. And he says, are you so slow to understand the meaning of the, the law and the prophets that were pointing to the fact that the Messiah must die? so that he could bring in his kingdom. And it says from that point on that he begins to describe to them how the scriptures, that is that these Old Testament books of the Bible, that these two men would have grown up in Jewish school, they would have memorized these scriptures, they would have been very familiar with them and the different prophecies of the Messiah that was to come. And it says that he takes them through the scripture and points out how all of scripture is pointing to himself what an incredible conversation to have been a part of. Right? Uh, uh, um, Yes, it would have been amazing. So So this is what's happening. And so these guys are like, oh my goodness, like, will you please stay with us? Will you please tell us more? They still don't recognize him for who he is. And so Jesus comes to their house and it says this, beginning in Luke chapter 24, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. It was at that time that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They recognized him. They saw him for who he really was. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? I really believe that there are blinders that God is wanting to take off this weekend. Just, just these things where we, we haven't recognized Him fully. And, and what happened in that moment is that all of a sudden they saw Him. They recognized, this is, Jesus, this is who He really is. I, I can see Him in their description of being with Him, of seeing Him and hearing Him, was that were not our hearts burning Within us. One of the things that we learn from historical revivals are that while um, often those revivals have an ending point, they have a a time period in history. Uh, I don't know that that's God's intention. I think that sometimes we just get in the way, but they often have an ending time in history. But one of the things you also read is about the burning that continues in those that have experienced a touch of God in that way. Just that they're never the same again. There's a longing for for more of the presence of God. There's a longing for for more of what they were experiencing in that season of of reviving and, and, and being alive in God. And there's just this burning in their hearts for that thing, for his nearness, his presence and his glory. And it's because their eyes have been opened, their eyes have seen Jesus. Do you know that Jesus wants to reveal himself to you today? And he can do that in ways that might blow the the parameters off of, of what you're comfortable with or what you might expect, imagine, or even hope for. Jimmy uh, Seibert, who was here sharing with us on, on Friday night, uh, was at another conference, uh, a kind of a, a world evangelization type conference. They had some different speakers that uh, have, a, have a heart to see the gospel impact uh, the world. And uh, one of the, the other guys that was speaking was telling the story of, uh, of what happened in a, a village in a remote part of India, and they were going into these, these, these villages that had not ever had the opportunity to hear the gospel message. There had never, to, to their or anyone else's knowledge, been a, a witness of the person of Jesus amongst these peoples. And so they would take a generator uh, and a, a, a kind of a, a big, uh, you know, cloth and show the, the Jesus film in these in these different villages and, and take opportunity to, to pray with people uh, and, and to, to share the gospel. In one particular village they, they went in um, at the, be- the beginning of, of them doing this uh, they, there there was, Um, you know, a a little bit of risk and unknown and and, uh, maybe some hostility that had happened in this this region in the past. And uh, and they were were going in and set up shop and they were given permission to show this film. The whole village shows up because this is not something that they typically get to do. They've never seen a moving picture, that kind of thing. And so so they're they're showing up um, and they, they, they start the film. And as it gets into it, uh, the, the character of Jesus is, is now pictured on the screen and a great commotion breaks out among the crowd. Uh, there's a few people that are screaming, there is murmuring going on, there is unsettledness. And, and this guy is communicating how he, he starts to get kind of arrested with fear, like uh, fearful of what what is going on are they are they are they turning are they upset about something that's been communicated is there something that's been uh, offensive to them that they're becoming hostile uh, you know is this spiritual warfare is there is it that the picture of Jesus is shown and now there's kind of a, a demonic response and and so he is trying to like to talk to the translator saying what are they saying? What's going? Do we need? Do we need to leave? Do we need to? Do we need to, to leave this space, this place? And uh, the translator is like, "Give me, give me a second. I'm trying to figure out what's going on." And so the translator is beginning to to talk with a few of the people around them, and what he finds out is something quite remarkable. The translator comes back to him and says, "There's a, a commotion and kind of so, some uh, some amazement because there's been a a man." that many many of the people in the village have been seeing. They don't know who he is and he's been walking around the, the hills surrounding our village and people are taking notice of him and there's just been something about him and there's been a sense of wonder or amazement or a need or wanting to know who is this, this man that, is, that has been walking around our village. We don't recognize him, we don't know him. And then when that picture of this actor portraying Jesus comes up on the screen, They all recognize him to be that man that's been walking around their village. And so Jesus, outside of many of our parameters, has manifest himself as this character, knowing that this missionaries would be coming in to show this film, and all of a sudden, these people are like, I want to know that man. Well, who is he? He's been here. He's been walking around. We've been wondering who he is. And as you might imagine, at the end of the showing of that Jesus film and at the sharing of the gospel, they, this man reports that every single person in that village decides to follow this man named Jesus. So, so there's opportunity for us to see him. He longs to be seen. And as much as some of these guys that I was even introducing to you this morning have been given a heart and and a love for the people that they are serving and a desire and longing to see them come to faith in Jesus, don't you know, don't you know that God's heart for those people it makes our love or our compassion just pale in comparison. God's already been there. He's already been working. He's already been moving. He is jealous for them. He, they have been created in his image. They are a special possession for his glory. There is a place for them in the heavenly throne room to be represented as all tribes, nations, gather together to worship for all eternity, the King who is Jesus. And so this is his heart. He longs to reveal himself and, and, and he longs for us to see him more clearly for who he is because to the degree that we see him is to the degree that we will then have the opportunity to, for him to move in our midst. As Jimmy put it, the, the degree that we see him equates to the, the amount that we will see impossibilities become possible. To the degree that we see him it will dictate the, the, the degree of depth that we experience in his presence. There's something about seeing him that changes us and causes something to burn in our hearts. I wanna continue to, to look at that, the seeing of Jesus and, and what transpires. We, we continue to see these, these disciples who, who now have has seen the, the, the risen Lord and uh, you know some of their, their wonderings about, I thought he was the Messiah, is he? I thought he was the Lord, is he? I thought he was the Son of God, is he? Well, now all of those questions are getting answered as they're seeing the risen Lord. And then they, they see him ascend into heaven and they are given this mission to be witnesses uh, in, in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They're given this commission by God and they're, they're, they're empowered by the, the Holy Spirit so that they might accomplish the mission of God. And, and they, we find them in Acts chapter four. And there, there was a man who was known to, to, to always be in the, in the temple courts begging because he, w- he was crippled. And so people knew him. He had been there for years and years. And Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, see him there one day, and they, they pray over him and he's healed. And it causes a great commotion. Once again, people are like, wait, isn't this the man? Isn't this the one that's always set out by the temple gates? Isn't this the same one? And they begin praising God and giving God glory. Now, the religious leaders who are trying to control things and have many, many parameters of their own are trying to figure out what to do because all the people have seen it that there's been a mighty, a wondrous act of God. And yet they're wanting the, the proclamation of the gospel to cease because not only was this man healed, but that there was a great commotion and the crowd gathered. And so they take this opportunity to speak boldly because those who have seen, they, they speak. They, they can't help but, but speak. There has to be a translation. There's, a, there's always a translation between seeing and then how we act on that. How we live that out, how we speak that out. And so in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it said they, this is what they were declaring Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So there's this, this declaration we've been moved, we've got to speak. And it may be an unpopular message. This is a very much an unpopular message today, right? Salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Not a popular message, but one that, that, that Peter and John began declaring. They were actually put in prison for it, but they were declaring it. And it says in the next verse, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were just unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note of this one thing that these men had been with Jesus. That is what I want to be the note on my life. Uh, he's kind of an ordinary guy, not that smart. But you know what, one thing? I think he's been with Jesus. There's just something about him that reminds me of Jesus. There's something about the way that he acts, the way that he speaks. Let that be what is said of us as a people. Whatever comes before, whether good or bad or whatever else, but taking note at the end, this is a people that have been with Jesus. That's that's who we want to be. It's who who we're called to be. But there is something that happens. There's something that transpires in the life of an individual once they have seen Jesus. I I remember for for me, part of that journey, I uh, grew up in the church, loved Jesus, had incredible encounters uh, with him, um, felt a devotion to him uh, after college i I moved to Boston to go to graduate school that's where uh, I first got involved with with antioch and um, and I uh, was started having just these these in, incredible i didn't have i didn't have words for it but I was in, in regularly experiencing the presence of God and so for me because i didn't have words for it um, some of my, my growing up i you know I'd experienced God at like these different camp like uh, church camps that I'd gone to, and it was like, man, it was powerful, and if you grew up in church and had any of those types of experiences, now you know your youth pastor always warned you about the camp experience and high, and then, you know, going down or whatever, all that kind of stuff, which is something that I think just kind of in our human nature we, we experience, but, um, but I began going to, to, to this church. Um, it was just a little bitty Antioch church up there in Boston, and the, the only way I could describe it to people was, I feel like I'm going to church camp every Sunday, I was like that's the that's what I that's what I feel like that's what I know that's the, I've had these these kind of singular moments and, and experiences over these years but now it's feel like this is what I every week and, and there was nothing glamorous about this church we we met in a, a school that was probably over a hundred years old in the gymnasium that was kind of half sunken into the ground that hadn't been redone in ages. Um, you know, it was very cold in the winters. It was hot in the summers. We had to bring out these massive fans that would blow over the congregation. You couldn't hardly hear the speaker. Uh, the worship team loved Jesus with all their heart. They were just lacking in skill, uh, like just in, in terms of. Uh, like we would often like start the song over like hey sorry guys we're gonna we got that going a little wrong wrong key let's start but nobody nobody cared it was just like but there was such worship in the room and there was the presence of God I remember I would go up after literally every service because all the songs were kind of new for me and I would it was back before they had iPads and all their you know sheet music was up there and they would kind of disperse I knew they were going to throw it away anyway and I would just like kind of go and and grab the stack and take it home. I was learning to play the guitar. So I would like take it back to my my little room and I would just like, God, I, I, I want that. I want whatever that is that I was experiencing. And, and, um, and then God starts like, start learning how, oh, that's because I was beginning to learn that's not just for an, an experience on a, on a church camp or a Sunday morning. Oh, like this is something that I, that I can have, that I can walk with you in this way. And I was seeing Jesus in a whole new way. And I was like, uh, anytime the doors were open, I was there. I lived 45 minutes away, but if there was something going on, I was not about to miss it. I just wasn't. And so any prayer meeting they had, I'm there. Any kind of encounter, worship night, they had. I, I was in, if they called a three-day fast, oh my Lord, but I'm in, you know, or whatever, like I, I want it. Like, or, or like we would have, like, they would do little outreach evangelistic things and, and I, I wanna be there. Or one, one night they had, hey, we're gonna do prayer walking. And I was like, okay, great, because the, the evangelism thing was, I was, it was, that's hard. You know, I was like, oh, I'm very nervous about this. But this was a prayer, we're in a prayer walk, uh, and so you kind of get in a little team, and you're, you're supposed to walk up the streets, and you kind of pray out loud with one another, just kind of observing, and we're praying over, we ended up on a, a college campus, and we're just praying over this dorm, and this and that. Um, I didn't know that when they talked about prayer walking, it was also uh, prayer, talking like with others that God leads you to and you end up like praying over them and talking with them. So this was new for me, but I'm I'm having this like we, we uh, God's putting stuff in, in my heart and like, man, I got, I, I have to go pray for these people right here. Like, I just have to. And so when, and just praying for them and they're like being, being blessed by God, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I've never just done these kinds of, but I'm just so hungry. I'm seeing Jesus and I'm seeing him move. And then, um, one of the guys that were with is a few years older than, than me. We ended up being roommates later on, but, um, but he said, hey, I, I, as we're just praying, I feel like God's kind of put a, a, a picture in my mind. And he begins to describe uh, this this young, this young girl, like a college student, and um, describing in kind of detail and like her hair and what she's wearing. And and, and he said, and I, I just feel like God is saying that she needs to know that Jesus loves her. Simple message, but that she needs to know. So I, I'm kind of like, well, okay, well, that's, that's good. I mean, that's interesting. I've never had anybody say anything like that. Like they felt like God was leading. And so I'm like, but, but I'm at this point, I'm like, I'm in. Cause he's, I'm, I, I want what it is that that he's revealing to me. And, and so uh, we're like, okay, well, let's pray. Let's pray for her or whatever. Well, I am flabbergasted when two to three minutes later, this girl that he just described walks a, a, around the corner. And, and I, 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 <laughs> I am—I'm freaking out. Really, is what I'm doing I'm, because I'm like, oh, that's—that's that's cool. Yeah, we'll pray for this person, imaginary person, you know. And then she walks around the corner, and and I'm like, oh my goodness, go tell her right now. You got to go tell her. Well, she was with a group of like, uh, there was eleven of them. I don't know why I remember that, but there was eleven girls. <laughs> there, there was eleven girls, and um, they walked through it because we were sitting over here on these like uh, outside benches, and they walked into the cafeteria, and and so we we boldly send him in to go tell her all right <laughs> so and we're like we're going to we're going to be praying for you we're going to be out here praying for you. Um, so he, he disappears into the cafeteria and comes out a few minutes later. And he was like, guys, I chickened out. I'm so, I chickened out. I felt like a creeper. Because again, he was a few years. I had just graduated from college, but he was like a little older. He's like, I just felt, felt weird. And for me, it's, at that point, that, that, that kind of thing was, I didn't know how regularly God loves to speak to his people and lead people and show people who he's wanting to love and speak to. And so this was new. And, and I was like, no, no, no. This is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. We have got to be on this, like. And so I march myself right into that cafeteria. I pull up a chair. Hey, ladies, you know, like <laughs> me and a couple buddies. They're outside. Um, <laughs> we were just out praying uh, uh, on campus, and uh, you know, and. Um, I, you know, I think I kind of turned back to my Baptist roots, and I just started taking prayer requests. You know, so I was like, "Do you have any prayer requests that we could we could pray for you?" Like, you know, do we have an, okay an unspoken prayer request here? Okay, great. You know, we'll take that one. You know, uh, and actually, I remember there there was three. There was one that was a a, gra- a grandma that was sick one that was a, a roommate situation that was going on and one was a test. So we didn't get real deep in our prayer requests, but, but I'm like, okay, we're, we're gonna pray. And I'm, I'm operating under the, the, the um, reality that, thi- that what God said was that this girl, who I've got my eye on, she's one of the 11, um, she, she needs to know that Jesus loves her, okay? But I, I'm working on my boldness. So one of the things I, I did, so what I did, okay, prayed for these requests and then I kind of went into sharing the gospel in the context of a prayer. I just found that to be easy for some reason. I keep my eyes closed, their eyes are maybe closed, I don't know, but I could just like, so Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. And we just all wanna know right now that Jesus, you love us. And I'm like peeking at that girl to make sure she's listening. Like you love every single one of us, you know, like, and, uh, and so then I'm like, amen, all right. Let's see you guys, you know, but just, it's just you're, you're kind of in this place where because of you, you're seeing him, that you're doing things that you weren't, do- I guarantee you I was not doing anything like that until I just, I'm seeing him and I'm loving him and I wanna be obedient to him and I'm recognizing that he is the king of a kingdom that, that I, I think I have an awareness of, but man, I, the, the expansiveness of it, the glory of it, man, I only know just so very, very little and still do there's so much of his glory there's so much of his bigness in in the earth today to hear stories of what god like the little story in india is one of 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 a a million stories of how god is moving on the earth for his glory and his purposes because he loves those that he has made and created to be in relationship with them And the grand story of humanity is the opportunity that he's given us to be a part of this unfolding drama. And we don't want to miss it. And when you see Jesus and your heart comes alive and it's burning within you, that's what you're saying. I'm not, I don't want to miss it. This is what I was made for. One final scripture that I want to share as we kind of follow the disciples uh, going forward. First of all, we, we know that most of the disciples died a martyr's death. They, they died proclaiming that message that salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. And those disciples made other disciples in the church was birthed and expanded, and we see a letter later written by John, the, apo- the, the apostle that I mentioned earlier, the friend of Jesus. And he says in 1 John 2, something that's pretty pretty harsh. He says, "We know that we have come to know him if we keep His commands." And I say it's harsh, I think, because in our Western context context, We don't like to be judged on whether we know him or not based on the obedience of our lives. We'd rather be based on our knowledge, you know, what we can say about him, what we've learned about him. We don't like to be judged by uh, how well we know him or whether we know him or not based on the obedience of our lives. We know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. Whoever says that I know him but doesn't Obey him, that person is a liar. The truth is not in that person. But But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And when we see him, there's a longing to live as he lived. I read this passage out of 1 John 2 because what we see in 1 John 1, and I'll just read the first verse there, 1 John 1, 1. This is where that comes from. He begins this letter that he's writing to the church by saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, he's talking about Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's saying, the only thing I want to write to you about, I just, I'm just writing you to tell you what I've seen. I'm just proclaiming to you what I've looked at, what I've touched, and it's changed me. And there's something burning inside me for his glory and for his purposes. And there becomes this burden, but it's this delightful burden to carry the things that are on God's heart as we walk with him. I want to finish up this morning by showing a a video. and In this video, we're going to see the story of revival, actually, of the Antioch, the beginnings of the Antioch movement. So some of that uh, upon which we stand here today was a result, uh, like most movements that have ever come into being, was a result of someone in the beginning seeing Jesus and saying, I've gotta be about him. And something is birthed out of that place. And And as we watch this video, there's gonna be people that you don't know on, on that screen, but, but know that there is, there, there is a, a people that who's given this to God that we stand on today uh, with the same heartfelt expression to, to have hearts that burn for him. So let's just take a moment and watch this video.
1: we became the college pastors in 1990, it, there was this sense of what God did with just a handful of people he was about to do with hundreds of people. And I remember the first message that I preached to the college group, it was called Revival or Nothing. How would you like to be in that college group? When uh, you thought, hey, where's the pizza parties, man? Where's the where's the fun? Where's the community? And I said, we're gonna build a missional community around the presence of God, and we're gonna contend in prayer until we see revival because that's what God has for us.
2: There was just this longing for God, and we were willing to wait and willing to pursue um, until He showed up, and He did.
3: And I'm just grateful that I was a part of all of that because it felt like God was reaching inside of this 18 year old dysfunctional self and saying, I see you and I want to set you afire with love for Jesus.
4: A lot of people's lives were being set on course for Jesus, you know, like never before. When I surrendered to his presence and said, I would, you know, just fill me. I want the consuming fire When fire touches something, it doesn't leave unchanged.
5: There really was this repentance movement was happening because it was this holy space. And it was almost like you felt, I need to have my heart so clean because I really think Jesus is about to show up in this place.
1: We were in this prayer meeting, a leader's prayer meeting, on a Sunday afternoon. We probably had 40 of our life group leaders. And Julie Beckham uh, has a scripture from Hosea.
4: What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that
1: disappears. As she's sharing this scripture, she just begins to cry. And she begins to say, Lord, forgive us for leaving our first love forgive us for never loving you fully forgive us for being just people of the moment instead of the people of your presence
4: god was really calling us back to another word we've been feeling during that season was that we needed to return to our first love and really repent and when when i gave that word i don't fully remember everything because i would i think i was being ministered to and repenting
1: and as she began to cry uh, instantaneously, people begin to cry all around us, and the presence of God visited that little place. And as people are beginning to call out to God that they want, we want to love Him, we want to know Him, a young lady comes up to me and she says, "I have to confess something to the group," and she said, "I had an abortion in high school, and nobody knows but my mom uh, and the guy that was involved, and I've never told anybody. And I just know I need to, I need to open my heart. I need to confess my own need for God." And so she shared that with the whole group, and people just began to wail and to weep over not not just the compassion for her, but the need for their own need to confess sin. And people began to get up and confess sin. We went for four and a half hours that day, and that was the beginning where the dam broke and the river began to flow. And we would have weeks and weeks of people confessing sin literally by the hundreds. And we grew from maybe 150 students to over five or 600 students in just probably a year's time. And it wasn't this
3: fear of God's gonna hurt us. It was more like, God, if there's anything in me that has been raised up against you, we don't wanna play church and play games and compartmentalize our lives. We want it gone. Chains were coming down. People are getting free and saying, I don't want this anymore in my life
2: all-night prayer times, or half-night prayer times, or prayer in the parking garage at the very top, Uh, you name it, and people wanted to be there.
5: And it really is one of those places that also, you didn't ever wanna leave, and so it would linger and linger.
2: I think there was just a a hunger uh, in those days. And I think you couple it with prayer and fasting, Jimmy would call a fast or somebody would say, hey, let's do it
5: fast and it would be radical. Everybody would do it and you would go and I remember going to H-E-B and the shelves being complete, even the frozen section, no juice, like no frozen cans, no cans on the aisles. And um, one time I think the manager called Jimmy and said, hey, uh, excuse me, next time you call one of these fasts, can you give us a heads up? Because we are totally out of juice. Um, your guys come and take everything.
3: Every group has that girl that's just like wild, crazy, evangelist, doesn't care what anybody thinks about her, and she comes running in, and she's like, guys, there's a keg party down the street. These people are jacked up. we got to go preach. Who wants to go with me? And I just remember I looked over at the guy who's about to go play to church, and we just had that look like, how are we praying for revival in Europe if we can't walk down the street and share Jesus? and he said can't miss a chance to share the gospel i guess i was like yeah i guess you know and and we're just sharing with people and asking how we can pray for them and i turn around and there's a guy that had been in the youth group with me and he had drifted away and been gone for years and he is drunk out of his mind and i say kyle man i haven't seen you in years what's been going on and he can barely get his words out. He's so drunk and he's kind of, but he throws it back to me, how are you? And I say, dude, I'm doing great, but Jesus has changed my life. And I know you and I did the youth group thing, but I'm saying this Jesus thing, he's real. I remember him blowing smoke in my face and just barely able to stand up. Well, we show up on Sunday, a little early for the college service. And I'm standing up at the front, talking to a few of these people. And I feel this tap in my shoulder and I turn around. And it's Kyle. And I was like, Kyle, what are you doing here? And he said, when you guys walked in the room and y'all just looked me in the eye, I was like, I need what those guys have. And he starts coming for the next few weeks, giving his life over to Jesus again. And he says, can I get baptized? And we're like, sure. And so Jimmy was the college pastor at that time. And he's up in the baptistry
1: she testified from the baptistry to the crowd about getting delivered from drugs and growing up in the church, but never coming to Jesus. But now today, here I am, I am yours, Lord. I give my life to you. And, and as I take him under the water and bring him back up, raised to walk in newness of life, little did anyone know, but his dad had slipped into the back and his dad screams out, stands up. My son was dead, but now he's alive. Bless the name of the Lord. Everybody just erupted with worship and praise and gratitude for the God who saves and the God who brings prodigals home.
4: Ended up in like people doing radical, crazy stuff in different ways and going, you know, saying, I want to go overseas, saying, I want to do this, whatever it takes, Jesus. One of my prayers was, you know, I don't, I want to see a hundredfold from my life.
2: Article 98 28. Okay. Um, could you read?
4: Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's cool. Where'd you guys find these? That's crazy.
1: You know, I'm sitting here reading these cards, and the presence of God just comes on me because these, this was the fruit of the move of God, the 90s, people surrendering everything to Jesus,
4: I will be a foreign missionary or raise up laborers to go. Let me love you as you loved. I want to lay down my life in love, what will save the most
5: people. God, whatever you would have me do, wherever you would have me go, send me, Lord. I feel called to a Russian speaking country. And when I read that last line, where we started in Russia years ago, yeah. you know, I think, oh my gosh, Lord, you never give up.
1: I'm writing to, go, to tell you, God, I'm going anywhere you want me to go for the rest of my life. I have a heart for Russia, black America. Any nation that you want me to go, I will go. And it's signed Bill Adams. And Bill's one of my dearest friends in the world. And Bill went to Russia. He and his family, and they gave their lives for souls to be saved. Many of our leaders today were saved through the sports camps that, uh, that Bill hosted. He didn't just write this on a card. He lived this. Mm-hmm. What is the fruit of revival? Lost souls are saved. Prodigals come home. Families are restored. And the beauty of God's design is reestablished in the earth
2: that the presence of God, the presence of God, the presence of God, the pursuit of the presence of God. I don't have an answer for myself. I don't have an answer for this person in front of me. If I can get you in the presence of God, if I can believe for you to sit in the presence of God, he's gonna come and he's gonna do what he needs to do.
4: Hunger for my presence. That's the call of God on the church is we are called to hunger for his presence. And if we will return to our first love, he says in the Bible, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, if we hunger and thirst for the righteous one, we will be filled.
5: You know, we lived like, i, I how many times did I pray um, out of Revelation
2: and the spear and the bride say come? Yes. And we lived like he was going to come, that he's worthy. Yes, he is. And it's going to cost me this, this, and this. And it's worth it.
3: No regret. And I think that's why here we are. 30 years later, or whatever it is. And if you ask people who were involved in those days what it was like, number one, they will have a hard time putting it in words. They might start crying or laughing or shaking their head. They don't know how to explain it. But most of them will say something like, you know it's real because it's still burning in me. And that's what we all got to experience. That's what revival is.
0: I think one of the things that we recognize is that there is no move of God apart from a people that see the Lord and respond. And so we just wanna have a time of response here. And I think the question for us is, who's next? Who is the one that will pick up the torch? Who is the one that say, I don't wanna run with the, the ways of this world, but I wanna run after the kingdom of God. Of God. I think that begins again this, mo- this morning just with us saying, Jesus, I want to see you. I want you to stand with me and we're just going to open the front up. Anybody that just needs to come and get on their knees before the Lord, that Jesus, here I am, would you reveal yourself to me? You do that. And specifically this morning, we also have an opportunity to respond, kind of like we saw in the video. We've got a bunch of index cards up here um, and some pens to write with. And we would just invite you to to write out in a few sentences on this card, God, this is what I commit to you. I love you. I will give my life to you. There could be specifics on it. There could just be just an expression of of love and a a desire to to obey. To, To not just have a moment, but to say, I wanna have a heart that burns for you. And we're asking that you would just take a moment this morning and write that out on this card and sign your name on it. And, and we have offering baskets up here because what that is, is just, it's an offering. You're offering your life unto Him. And so whatever it is, if you need to come down to the front, if you wanna come and get one of these cards, let's not leave this place without responding with wholeheartedness to Jesus.